freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Wire, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Oh, man, frustrating day yesterday, Brock. Very frustrating. Once again, as the Mariners blow a couple of four-run leads, not what you're looking for, certainly. And there's a whole bunch of guys that are going to share in the blame on this one. I'm with you on your Dominic Leone take. I think that should probably be enough of the Dominic Leone experiment. I'd rather Mm -hmm. see 110 or any of the number of other guys that have been sort of floating around this organization throughout the year come in and and do the same thing. I don't need to see Leone do it. It's been two two outings. Let's not bury the lead. You look great today. You got a nice haircut. I can always tell when you get a haircut because it shaves, I don't know, two, three years off you. I know. I wish I could do it more often. I just get, you know, I forget. Mm -hmm. But I went over, I saw Bacon, the German short-haired pointer who uh, Mm -hmm. hangs out at my barber's Uh barber shop my barber's office yes and uh she's great so i got to hang with bacon a little bit got my haircut thank you i appreciate that yeah that was a tough one that that one that one stings Uh, i know c raj tweeted worst loss of the year i i don't i it's hard hard to characterize those things (laughs) right now that like 10 times maybe but but i understand it because emotionally like it's the sand in the hourglass is starting to fall and it's like now right i mean it it is every one of these from a magnitude standpoint hurts a lot more than some loss i'm sure they had in april and may it where was, they gave it up it was certainly a frustrating one yesterday i guess maybe i wasn't as frustrated because i kind of felt it coming it was like uh you and justin bolt did what was yeah. what was lurking there the reds are lurking like they're they're real feisty this is what they've done all year long and it just kind of i don't know i can't really explain it sometimes you just get that gut feeling of like this doesn't feel right, and you're sort of cruising along. You don't add on as much as you needed to, yep. right? Yep. They they have those two little home runs off of off of Leon, where you're like, nah, I don't know. Just doesn't. Well, this just started feeling lucky on the double plays and the Ken's own catch. You know what it felt like to me? Like the lead felt like it was more than it was. Like oh, they are they're up by like six, right? Oh, it's only three, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden three becomes two. You know what I mean? Like it just starts shrinking. Getting a lot of hits too. It's just a matter of time if they're going to string a couple together and get a look. Here, look here's the out. other thing that I'm you know I'll say I'm, I'm not concerned because they've lost a few games. Honestly, I'm not. I believed that it was coming. We all knew it was coming. Like yep. this was going to happen. I'm not concerned because they've lost a few games. I'm not concerned about Topa. He, it, like that's like the first home run he's given up in forever. It stunk, but I'm not that worried about Topa. I'm not concerned about Julio like people were yesterday. He's hit three home runs in the last two days. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and I'm not really that concerned about Gino. Although I will say I'm a little concerned about Gino, but I'm not that concerned just because of the veteran presence, etc. I'm very concerned about Andres Munoz. Mm-hmm. I've been concerned about him for a few weeks. I was shocked that he was named reliever of the month. I didn't think that was uh, deserved. I don't know what is left to do in this pen. I feel like they're kind of out of options mm-hmm. for what to do and how to rejuggle things in order to kind of you know put people in the right spots. I think if they find their way into the playoffs, this problem goes away because you can put you know Wu and Miller both into the pen where I think both of them would be great. But I don't know what you do until now. I don't. I don't know what or until then. I don't. Is it? Is it stuff? Is it stuffy? Is it, is it just that the, the the slider is just not? I think it's enough? stuffy. You think it's stuffy? I think he doesn't look right. 
I think his command doesn't look great and the break on his slider doesn't look great and he's not spotting the fastball great. He's not getting swings and misses the way he needs to. I just, I watch him pitch and I don't see the same guy. And unfortunately, Major League Baseball of today is littered with dudes who throw 98 without command. Yep. And that's what he becomes without that sharp slider. Yep. 98's great, but there's a lot of guys that throw 98. Starters throw 98, for God's sakes, in today's game. Yep. So until unless you're going to throw 103, which he's not anymore, mm-hmm. and you don't have the slider, I'm going to be concerned every time he's out there. And yesterday was another example of it. He looked like he didn't have a shot in that inning. Yeah, and this is this is not coming off back-to-back. This is not – he's been, been pressed too much. They've – They've tried both he and Brash to give them some rest. You've talked about this a ton, man. This is a tired team. What do you what do you do? You asked Passon that question before he belittled you about a D minus question. That was a good question. And he was like, I don't know, man. This is what they're all going through. But Mooney had had a few days off and he still came out and it just yeah, it is just not imposing. Mm-hmm. Last year he was so imposing. Last year he was bigger than life, right? I mean it was hundred and three and it was a slider and it was Man, he came on that mound, and you're like, yeah, yeah, good luck. Good luck. And right now, it just feels, for I think probably for him, a little shaky, right? For him when it's 97, not 98, and not 103, when it's him and, and that, that, that slider just isn't there. Mm-hmm. It was like tied to some warm-ups yesterday. He's like, Dad, I just, I'm not feeling it. I'm like, well, buckle down. Let's go. Fundamentally, put your feet in the ground. Let's go. Unfortunately. You know, we got two more hours of practice, and, yeah. then it, and he dialed it in. And I don't know. I mean, maybe the same can happen here with Munoz. Maybe he has an Audi. Maybe he feels something in that slider and in that command that it does click. But, boy, do they need him. Yeah, they really do. And I and I find myself concerned about what's going on there, probably more than anything else. Also, you know, just listening to Scott. I mean, he was he sounded pretty pissed off after yesterday. Not yesterday's game, the day, game before. So when we were listening to the sound yesterday, he didn't sound happy. Then, you can, look, you're going to give up the home run last night, whatever. Topa's going to give up a home run, but I'm sure Scott's not happy about the walk that preceded it. What right? was it, eight free bases? Yeah. Five walks and three hit eight batters? Eight free runners, yep. And that, you can't have that. The 3-0 swing, you can't have that. You know, hopefully that's kind of a wake-up call. There were some good. I mean, he, he kind of pointed to what, uh, what Bryce Miller did yesterday. I thought he was awesome. He emptied the tank. You know what I'm saying? And we left him out there to get through that fifth inning. Um, and I thought, you know, he executed pitches there for the last couple hours in that inning. I just, I wanted to play that one. Yes. Not because he thought Miller was awesome, although, you know, good for him what he did last night. Yep. He emptied the tank. I love, I've learned this about Scotty. I, I love how he emphasizes a monosyllabic mm-hmm. word. Is that right? Did I say that right? He emptied the tank. <laughs> right? He emptied yes. the tank, but he says it, and 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 you can hear You're wrong, Brock. Wrong. I, I, I could just no sulk. Yeah, I, I think when, when he gets a just a one syllable sucker, he's going to lean into well, it. Well, compare that tone because I think it sounds very similar to him the day before talking about Brian Wu. Well, he wasn't coming out. That's what happens when you're in a major league rotation, and maybe you don't have your A game that day. You got to figure out a way to keep your team in the game, at least you know save some bullpen, whatever. Which he did. I don't know. I just I, I'm hearing yeah. this, and, and oh, with the yeah. two young pitchers, yep. um, I, hey, you're gonna have to go out and wear it. And then the second guy, yeah, he emptied the tank, right? <laughs> I mean, like Scott is clearly trying to push some of the young well, guys. You have, you have said this. You said it last year, Salt. Mm-hmm. It, I think it is a very astute. Both, it's just your your life. You, you've seen it. You've watched this game. You love baseball, and I think he is trying to do all he can to do what you say. Playoff teams do this time of year. Lock it in. They lock it in. Yeah, lock it in. No, no, Salk. They lock it in. Okay? (laughs) 
You got to get it locked in. <laughs> Scott, very, very yes. definitive about what's yeah, going to happen. And he's trying to do what he can do to help these guys yeah. hyper-focus and lock it in. And, and especially for some of those young guys that haven't been through it, dealing with aches and pains, you know, yeah, you're going to have to kind of suck it up because, unfortunately, Robbie Ray isn't walking through the door and neither is Marco Gonzalez and neither is, is Hancock. I mean, like, at mm-hmm. some point, this is who you got. Yep. And I think the message is probably pretty similar to Andres Munoz. And, you know, Brash went through it a little bit and then seems to have come out the other side. Good for him. That was important. Hopefully this isn't the beginning of Topa going through it because he's really been, I think, incredibly important to what they've done this year. So, look, I'm not going to panic again because of yesterday. I read some texts and tweets earlier uh, at 6 o'clock from people that have honestly lost their damn mind. I don't even know what else to say (laughs) about uh. The people who want heads to roll after last night. Like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. But Maura was absolutely right when she said there's a big Karen energy to that. Speaking, speaking of losing your minds early in the morning. Yeah. She had dumps like a truck, truck, truck. Metal. Guys like, what, 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 what? what? Baby, what? move your butt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Baby, move your butt. We dealt with that this Yeah, morning. that's just the angry thong song. A friend of mine used to sing that when we were in college. Brock just starts singing along. He doesn't even have questions. He's not like, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you're doing angry thong song, I'm in. I'm in. Let's go. People, like truck, 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 people truck. were saying that uh, that does make you feel better. So if you find yourself super frustrated about the Mariners today or yesterday or any other day, feel free to just do an angry thong song and it may make you feel a whole lot better. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Ugly loss yesterday for the Mariners, that's for sure. Kind of like what Brock Saturday would have been if JP hadn't saved the day in that middle game against the Mets. Unfortunately, they waste a two-run, uh, two-home run night from Julio. They give back a four-run lead. Justin Topa torched in the eighth. Munoz gave it up an inning later. It just, it just wasn't a good night for the Penn. Uh, I think, you know, our high-leverage guys had been thrown in a couple days. They were rested. They are ready to go. We didn't execute. You know, uncharacteristic of Tope. Uh, we walked the eight-hole in Marte. We had a good night. You know, we have to walk there, and then that kind of led to some other things after that. And, you know, guys came off the bench, uh, pinch hit single, and the pinch hit homer. On pitches there, you know, maybe we didn't get them where we wanted to get them. You, know, you have to execute them. They made some mistakes, and very clearly they paid for all of them. And in that ballpark, that's definitely going to happen. Topa, I'm sure, would like it back. I don't know what Gino was swinging at in the ninth inning with, you know, two men on mm-hmm. and... 3-0 count, Diaz is struggling, and he pops it up. That was really tough to see. Uh, so, yeah, second straight series loss. They've lost four out of five games, but a whole lot better than Texas, who've dropped 15 of their last 18 games. Nathan Avaldi returned last night, didn't make it out of the second inning. Altuve hit three home runs. They got rocked. Kind of a crazy night. Got to find a way to get this one today, man. You cannot, as I always like to say, man, you cannot get swept. That That is where huge swings, it seems like, in the standings. And don't look now, but Toronto is right there in the wild card. Uh, they've got Oakland. They've got Kansas City. they got a soft schedule. You've got to go now, to Tampa. They have a soft schedule now. And then they, they do. It gets a little schedule. tougher. Now, I know. It's going to swing back and forth. It, it, it's going to be this way, ladies and gentlemen. Buckle up for the next 20-some <laughs> sure. games, okay? Because uh, this is this is how it works down the stretch. Guys are out of gas. Mm-hmm. Guys are in places some of them have never been. But I know why Scott was so pumped about Bryce yesterday. He showed up, man. Showed up and showed out as a rookie in September in a pennant chase. The moment was not too big. That is awesome. This bullpen, Ty France, some of the others, 
man, you got to come to life here down the down the home stretch. Mariners of the season. do fall out of first place. They're a game behind Houston as of this morning. One more in Cincinnati, as Brock said today. Logan Gilbert, a chance to come play on, the Walter. stopper. Three, come on, Walter. First pitch. We need you, Walter. I need you, Walter. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, the first depth chart came out for the Seahawks yesterday, Brock. I don't know how much to read into that, but Studied a few things closely. stand out. Everything. Trey Brown listed as the starting corner over Mike Jackson. Buy it? Well, the prophet was right. That's what he said yeah. it was going to be last week. So When KJ speaks, it's usually right. He'll be in here in a half hour. Uh, how about DJ Dallas ahead of Zach Charbonnet? That's a little surprising. I think that's a nod to a, to a veteran guy. That's what I figured. Yeah. How about Kobe Bryant did free safety, not a corner? Did they list a nickel? No. Yeah, so there you go. So he's still the nickel. He's just yeah. a free safety nickel. That's right. Okay, just checking mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other conversation, of course, and we're going to dig into this a little more deeply in about 10 minutes, how far would you go for Chris Jones, the star defensive lineman holding out in Kansas City? We talked to Steve Weish of NFL Network yesterday, and he was intrigued. First off, there'll be a market, and Seattle just kind of looking at at how they could use him, right? You know, Jones has played primarily on the edge the past couple of years, but Seattle could use him kind of at that hybrid five technique, hybrid six and seven technique of what they do defensively, it would make a lot of sense. It would make a lot of sense. Uh, It would make a lot of sense. There's going to be a lot of dollars and cents. And if Chris doesn't play tomorrow in the opener at the Chiefs and Lions, it's going to cost him more than dollars and cents. It's going to cost him hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars as his holdout already has, one-seventeenth of his check. I'll say this, man. If Pete was geeked with us getting ready for rookie minicamp way back when, today's the day. This is the Wednesday of regular season week game number one. That that team meeting that's going to go down in about 40 minutes or so, this sets the tone for the climb up the mountain. It all begins with today on that practice field. And I can't wait to see the report afterwards and see just how many guys are available because that bonus Monday sure looked like most of the dudes were out there running around. Here's the third thing you need to know. Some decent news. Jared Kelnick getting closer anyway. He had a walk. He had a double last night. Looked pretty good running the bases as he continues to rehab for Tacoma. He did strike out three times, so I'm not saying he's ready yet. But, you know, starting to get his timing back. He also spoke uh, to uh, Dan Kramer of MLB.com. And I think his quote is interesting. He said, I definitely think it's going to be a huge stepping stone for me in my career. Just because the decision that I made not only affected myself, but it affected the team and the city because I wasn't able to play. Anytime that happens, it sucks. You never want to do that again. I never want to feel the way I did again. So the only way to do that is just not to do it again. Good for him. Yeah, pretty mature stuff. I don't know what else you would possibly want him to say in terms of taking responsibility for doing something stupid. What I'd really like, though, is for him to come back and go on a tear in September the way he was in April because that, Jared Kelnick, would completely change this team. Speaking of a tear, that is exactly what the Pac-12 was the first couple weeks of the college football season, Salk. We said it going in. This might just be the best year in the history of the conference. And, well, after week number one, let's see, USC 6, UW 8, Utah 12, Oregon 13, Oregon State 17, and Dion's Buffs. They go from a three-win team to rank number 22 in the country today. That is one, two, three, four, five, six in the top 22. All right, there you go. That is everything you need to know. Quarter past every hour here in the Brock and Salt Show. I told you it was the tweets earlier, the texters, Brock. Still, uh, you know, a lot of uh, of folks. Yeah, they're very fired up. Are we back to the start of the season? 
pitching good, bats disappear. Hitters hitting, pitch, pitch, hitters hit, pitching collapses. They're mm-hmm. just not in sync. Mm-hmm. 206, I wondered what excuses Salk would come up with today. Did I come up with an excuse? I don't feel like I did. The team was hot. They're back to average. Maybe. Uh, they lost five the whole month of August. They've lost now four in the month of September. They're so they're not going to have as good a September as August. No, nope. That's and we kind of knew that was going to happen. I would say here's my one surprise yesterday, Salky, and and you played that that service. And here's the reality: there's going to be some of these battles you will lose mm-hmm. to try to win the war. That is going to happen. And yesterday, as you listen to Scott say, no bullpen was rested, like yeah. it was ready to go, like that he was used a game. He did. And that was a game teed up and ready to go. That's where I don't. Why, why was Leon? Because it was six one. Because he felt like you had that margin. I just, that's the one I did not like. Now, they've got their numbers, they've got it set up, right? He sets the table then for Brash and for Topa and for Mooney. So you had to have somebody bridge it. Right. But man, I did not love to see a guy claimed off waivers that hasn't done much this year no. in a game where you, yeah, you had margin, but with a you five had just run used lead. up Luke Weaver. I mean, like you had kind of used some of that the day before. You got to use somebody. I yeah, mean, Spires or, you know, even Saucedo, just somebody that's at least done. Like you're up 6 1. You'd used all those guys the day before. I know. You're only in the sixth inning. You're just trying to get that little I, bridge. I get it. But yeah. he was not a bridge. He was a bridge to nowhere. Well, he gave up two runs. I mean, obviously the Topa issue and the Munoz issue end up being much bigger and and again yep. more concerning for me anyway on yeah. the uh, on the thing with Andres Munoz because it, it just it, you can cut Dominic Leon today and move mm-hmm. on with your life and it's not going to have a lasting effect on the season. But you need a stopper. You, you need, need Andres Munoz to be Andres Munoz. He's like, your highest leverage guy. Yeah, especially after you traded Seawald. I mean, we you were sort said, of banking on that happening. We have said as Julio goes, this team goes. You look at the bullpen numbers. Luke Arkins tweeted about it. I think it's probably fair to say as Mooney goes, this bullpen goes. Right. I mean, he, he is he's been the most talented guy. He's been the enforcer. He's been the guy. He was reliever of the month in the month of August. That was done largely the first couple weeks. But as he goes, this group is going to go and he has got to get right. All right. Coming up next, uh, there is a big, big name out there in Chris Jones. He is currently holding out in Kansas City. There's no sign that he is going to come back anytime soon. And when that happens, the vultures start swarming and looking for deals. Yes. I don't think vultures make that sound, okay, but anyway, know. the Seahawks, which is a different type of bird, could be one of the teams circling and looking for Chris Jones. We'll go to Kansas City and find out whether it's a real possibility next. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Ask KJ Wright that question. Are the Seahawks a Chris Jones away from being a Super Bowl team? You got to ask it first. Is Chris Jones even available? I hope he is. It seems like maybe he should be, right? He's holding out. He's unhappy. Anytime guys are unhappy like that, then all of a sudden the vultures start to circle. And we'll find out uh, right now. Let's go to Kansas City and talk to our guy, Carrington Harrison, who's one of our favorites here in the show. Carrington, good morning. How are you? Mike, how are you doing today, man? I appreciate you guys having me on today. Always, man. What uh, What is the latest with Chris Jones? So the latest is he just hasn't decided to show up to work today. I heard you guys' intro coming into it. I think this is a lot like the Cam Chancellor situation. A lot of people have used the Le'Veon Bell comparison, but you've got to remember Le'Veon Bell just never signed his franchise tag. That's not what we're talking about with Chris Jones. He's currently under contract and wants a raise. I think we're talking about Chris Jones missing the first, let's say, two, three weeks of the season. 
I've sort of circled the game against the New York Jets. They play the Jets in week four on Sunday night football. NBC wanted to get that game in early because they've missed out on the Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers showdown. So they wanted to at least have that. That's the game that I think Chris Jones is coming back. Fancy me this, if you bring up Cam. And we walked and lived through all of that. Cam didn't want out. Cam wanted his money. Cam knew that his body and the way that he played and the style with which he played, he needed his last payday now. In this situation, does Chris want out or does he want his dough? I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, he talked about being a Chiefs for life. I mean, I, I think he's done everything that would suggest he wants to be on the Chiefs. I think it's very similar to Cam Chancellor that I think he wants to get paid. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's going to be a 30-year-old defensive tackle and is looking for a multiple-year guaranteed kind of deal. So I don't think that Chris Jones is angling to hit free agency. I don't think he's angling to be on another team. I think it's a very similar situation. He knows that this is the last big payday that he's going to get in the National Football League, and he also knows that this is the best leverage to go out there and get it. He finished third in defensive player of the year voting last year, had double-digit sacks. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl. He was the best player on their defense. I think he's overplayed his leverage a little bit, but he certainly had a lot of leverage whenever the summer began. Help me understand this. Steve Weiss was on with us yesterday, and he talked about Chris playing more on the end, and I'm like, ah, I don't really remember that. I know that he can sneak out there at times, and he can do just about anything, but is this also him trying to get paid like an elite edge pass rusher and saying, hey, I want to do more of that rather than maybe getting the payment of an interior defensive lineman? I mean, I think the answer is kind of. I think he wants to get paid closer to Aaron Donald, which is around $32 million a year, which is like a high-end edge rusher. So I think the answer is kind of in the middle when it comes to that. The Chiefs tried to put him on the outside a couple of years ago, and they gave up that experiment really early on in the process. I think he's one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league. I do think that one thing that kind of scares the Chiefs off is the two quote-unquote contract years that he's had was his best years. He had a contract year in 2018. He had his best season. And then fast forward to last year when he arguably had his best season. So I do think there is some, hey, those peaks that you have, they seem to come at at very opportunistic times. Can they afford him? Yeah, they absolutely can't afford him. It actually would be in the Chiefs' best interest if they reached a long-term extension with him. It would just free up a lot of cap space. But I think at this point, the Chiefs have just told you, hey, we think we can manage. Now, one thing we haven't really talked about, and I think this has really hurt Chris Jones in this negotiation, is there sort of has been this belief with the Chiefs that you got to pay the Mahomes tax, that Mahomes paid or took a little bit less in his contract. Travis Kelsey took a little bit less in his deal. They went to Tyreek Hill and asked him to do the same. Tyreek Hill was not really going for it, so they traded him for the Miami Dolphins. I do think that the Chiefs have asked Chris Jones, hey, you understand how the salary cap works. We're happy to pay you, but we're not going to give you 100% of your value. We'll give you 90% of your value, but we're not going to give you all of it. And I don't think everybody is going for that. So I think that's caused a little bit of confusion, at least when it comes to Chris Jones' deal. I actually think that this all started, like the very beginning of this. I think it was very split amongst the fan base of, hey, pay Chris's money. You know how valuable he is to the organization. But just the way that he's carried on on social media and Instagram for the last couple of months, I would say that Chiefs fans, like tomorrow, if it was announced that Seattle traded their first-round pick for Chris Jones, 
I think more Chiefs fans would be for it than against it. I just don't think that the Chiefs organization is going to trade. How much do you think it would be? Talking to Carrington Harrison, by the way, out of Kansas City, if if they were great name, by the way, like one of the great radio names in America. I mean, let's not bury the (laughs) lead. Yes, Carrington (laughs) Harrison. Seriously, that is. That's a powerful name right there. So just want to get that out. Sorry. Well, let, let's assume for a moment that the Chiefs were to decide to to put him up to, for auction. What happens? I mean, I I actually think that he's worth the second round pick. I think it's unrealistic to think that you're getting a first round pick at this stage of the game. I think you could have got the first round pick back in March or prior to the start of the draft. But if I'm a team, and you also got to think, I mean, Kansas City's not trading them to Cincinnati. They're not trading them to a team that you think is good in the AFC. So, And then in the NFC, if you're a team that doesn't think that you're going to be very good, like if you're Arizona, for example, or if you're Chicago, for example, where you have a first-round pick and you also have Carolina, you might be trading the 11th overall pick for Chris Jones. So I actually think that a second-round pick is probably the right amount of value, and maybe you throw in a second and a five or a second mm-hmm. and a four, and that ends up doing the value. But I'm still on the side, even with all of this, that Chris Jones' best value to the Chiefs is to play for the Chiefs this year. This is a team with Super Bowl aspirations. This is a team that doesn't really have a plan B if he's not there long-term. I actually don't think they can win the Super Bowl if they don't have Chris Jones on the team. So all in all, like we talked about at the very beginning, this is like Cam Chancellor. He's unhappy. He's upset. Eventually, he goes back to work because all these football players go back to work. You got anything to talk about today between that and Travis Kelsey? (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because so the Travis Kelsey news happened probably 30 minutes before I went on the air. You know, obviously, hyperextended knee, could miss the game. Everybody's all up in arms. Everybody's worried about it. But all the information that we got coming out of the next, you know, four to six hours or so were pretty positive for the Chiefs. I, I, I find it hard to believe that Travis Kelsey is going to play in Thursday's game, just given the quick turnaround. I also don't think that the Chiefs need him to play. Now, I understand every game in the NFL is so important, but we're talking about a week one game against a team in the NFC. We're not talking about Cincinnati or Buffalo or Baltimore or one of those kind of teams. You can afford to lose week one to the Detroit Lions. That doesn't derail any dream that you have if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. I wouldn't play Kelsey. I, what I think is going to happen is they're going to say that He's doing better. It's going to be a game-time decision. And then hours prior to the game, we find out that he's going to be inactive. Okay. Well, you're kind of piquing my interest. I'm not going to lie, Carrington. Like, you're kind of – but there's some details here I need to know since you've covered the story inside and out. And we know it in the situation like this because you keep mentioning Cam, and I keep reflecting back, Salk, to that day in training camp when he didn't show up. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, there's going to be a surprise. Uh, I'd heard from an agent in the league. It's going to be a surprise, and quite a surprise it was. So help me fill in two details. Is he in the final year of his contract right now? Yeah, he is. So he signed a four-year, $80 million deal, and this is the final year of that contract. But one of the things, and I think this is really important, is because he's already been franchise tagged before, he would actually get 120% of his value as a franchise tag. So that was going to sit at $33.7 million if he got franchise tagged at the end of the year. But the fact that he is missing these games will lower his franchise tag number each and every week. So it really puts like a weird kind of uh, wrench in all of this of what could potentially happen moving forward. Let's say that Chris Jones misses the first four games of the season. Then you knock off around $4.5 million off your franchise tag next year, which just makes you easier to control for a sign and trade. So that's why if I was Chris Jones, I – there's no benefit in what you're doing anymore. And it's not like a franchise tag where you can't continue to negotiate your deal. 
If I was him, I, I would just show up today. I would, I would just report today. There's no way that you play. You then give yourself 10 days prior to that they play Jacksonville in week two. And I would just try to get ready to play for week two. But both sides to me are so entrenched in their position. I'm not really sure when this is going to end. Wow. Interesting. And then lastly, you mentioned over the last couple months, it's kind of lost some favor with some Kansas City Chiefs fans because of what he's done on the social media realm. I don't follow him on Twitter or the gram or anything like that. So help me understand what, what, what kind of theatrics has he gone to in the social media realm? Basically, just think of a very unhappy NBA player. That's how Chris Jones has been acting for the last, like, two months. I'm talking about just a couple days ago, he posted a picture of himself at the pool smoking a cigar. What are you talking about? Like, what, why, why are we doing this? He posted rap lyrics. He posted a picture with Michael Bay. He's just been doing a lot of unhappy James Harden, Ben Simmons, NBA player nonsense on Instagram for the last, like, three months. <laughs> Carrington, you're the best. I don't. Doesn't sound like it's likely to happen, but you've actually given me more chance, hope than man. I thought. There is a chance. Who was it we called you about last year? The uh, the left tackle, right? We were like, hey, any chance he's going to be a free agent? You're like, no, zero. End of conversation. This, you're right. It, it was Orlando Brown. I was right. actually very surprised that the Chiefs just let Orlando Brown go. No, you're right. That now, was I will a year say ago. This about the Chiefs. I, I will say this: they have never paid anybody other than Travis Kelsey over the age of thirty. So if you want to hey, maybe this situation could be potentially different. That would be it. With Chris Jones getting close to 30, I'm not going to say it's impossible, Mm. but I also think that Chris Jones is so important to this team. They just don't have an elite player on defense, and I'm just a big believer that if you're going to do great things, you need great players on your team. Mm. This team obviously is going to be carried by their offense. Their best offense in the National Football League scored more points than everybody. But the only expectation for the defense is just be middle of the pack. If you can be the 13th best defense in the league, you obviously can win a Super Bowl. I'm not sure if they can do that without Chris Jones. Last question. Is he a great player? Yeah, I think he is. Now, I think that we kind of say, well, you know, he's right there behind Aaron Donald. If they made like an all-time NFL team, not just like an all-decade team, not just the all-NFL you know, NFL 100, I mean, if we took the 22 best players, Aaron Donald would be on that team. So saying that you're second to Aaron Donald is like, all right, let's be realistic here. <laughs> Aaron Donald might be the greatest player to ever play at his position. So I, 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 I think that Aaron Donald is an all-time player. I think that Chris Jones is a great player. So trying to use Aaron Donald's contract for what you should get is kind of like Jalen Hurts trying to use Patrick Mahomes' contract for what he should get. Jalen Hurts is phenomenal. He shouldn't get paid anywhere close to Patrick Mahomes. Good stuff. Carrington, wow. thanks, man. Appreciate it. Always good to talk to you. And maybe these teams will do a deal. Who knows? But uh, we'll talk again. Thanks, man. No, I appreciate you guys. I'm happy that, Brock, you like my name. Somebody told me that my name sounds like an old apartment complex, so I'm happy that you appreciate it. Dude, Carrington Harrison, it is powerful. I yeah. think I would. I think I've actually lived in a Carrington at some point. Have you? The Carrington? Yes. Yeah, I, think, I yeah, lived I in the Harrisons out there in Zionsville, Amazing Indiana. How that was great. Out. Uh-huh. Thanks, buddy. Talk soon. <laughs> I appreciate you guys. There you go. There's Carrington Harrison, who is uh, awesome. He hosts a really, really good show uh, in uh, in Kansas City. And I don't know. I was expecting him to crush our dreams a little bit more than that, to be honest with you. And yep. then not only did he did he leave open space for a deal, but he even said. 
they wouldn't even maybe maybe need a first round pick. Like what? Okay. Yep. yep. Well, I'll tell you what. Let me just be pretty clear. I'll trade a second round pick for for Chris Jones any day of the week and twice on Sunday. You know, I hadn't thought about it as he as he framed it. By the way, I got something for you here in a second too before Blue Eighty Eight. I appreciate. But it. I hadn't thought about it until he framed it in the situation there in Kansas City. There is some Belichickian to Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. There is some of that Northeast kind of business style that, no, we'll move on from Tyree Kill. No, we'll move on from Orlando Brown. Yeah, the Tyree Kill thing should give you a little bit of hope, right? Oh, you don't want to take a discount? See ya. That they will pay, and like just as Brady took less than New England to keep the dynasty alive, Mahomes has done the same, Kelsey has done the same, but outside of that, everybody else is expendable. Everybody else is expendable. Is Chris Jones expendable? Mm-hmm. If he's going to continue to play this game, and even now, as he said, now you start really hurting yourself. Right, because now you start hurting a franchise, possible tag, a number, and all of that. So, okay, so I, I made a, a poor sound of a vulture. Turns out we got it. No, oh, an actual sound of a vulture. Well, yeah, our our buddy from Libby. Yes. you know, he used to trap vultures. Of course, he and oh, his yeah, family. Of course, he used to raise them. <laughs> used to eat them. I think for uh, for I, dinner. Actually, for a while, I trained them too. Yeah. So uh-huh. Trained vultures. Yeah. What do you got? What do you got? What does a vulture sound like? What else do you train them to do besides look for roadkill? Don't worry about them, Lawrence. <laughs> Let me, once you're into do the your homework. Justin, let me, let me hear it. It's not a caca. Whoa. <laughs> that sounds like a tortured that's a goose. That's dying a one. Turkey, yeah. no, that's a turkey vulture right there. That's a turkey vulture? Let me hear that again. Hold on. <laughs> you sure? Yeah. Yes. Are you sure somebody didn't give a bird a kazoo? That's kind of what it sounds like. It's like they gave a bird a kazoo. It's a dinosaur, man. Oh. <laughs> That is very, very strange. I like that KJ Wright has just arrived in the building, and he's probably yeah. like, I don't want to do that. What is I'm going sure these on? are the same sorts of things that the LOB did. Like, just sort of hang around <laughs> listening to sounds of turkey vultures <laughs> making their calls. Let's do Blue 88. <laughs> this is Brock and Sox Blue 88. Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Heward breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. I hope nobody drove off the road listening to those vultures. I'm sorry about that. I'd like to personally apologize for what Brock and Justin just did. More and I had nothing to do with it. I just want everyone to know that. Question number one, Brock. We talked about that depth chart. I know you read through it. What did you see? Yeah, I think those were, we hit on this a little bit in need to know. Trey Brown beat out Mike Jack. Mike Jack had an unbelievable offseason. Mike Jack coming into training camp was the talk of camp. Right? Pete Carroll was so excited about what Thriller had done. But you know what? If you're going to preach competition, and, and that is going to be the staple of, of your team, and 41% of your roster is first or second year players, then you know what you've got to do? You've got to back up that talk. You've got to walk that talk. And when somebody beats out the other guy and it's pretty clear to the room, pretty clear to the DB room, pretty clear to KJ Wright, pretty clear to those watching it, like, yeah. Trey Brown was better than Mike Jack in these three preseason games. And guess what? You're going to run out with the starters on Sunday. You're going to get first crack at it because I don't think Devin Witherspoon's going to play. Uh, the other little surprise was to see DJ Dallas number two. I think that's a tip of the cap to a veteran guy. That if something were to happen full-time to K-9, yeah, DJ could carry maybe a little more of the playbook. But Charbonnet is going to be the one-two punch, and DJ will be your protector, your third-down guy. Outside of that, not a ton of other surprises. Do you out read there. anything into Bobo being technically third string while Kate Johnson is second string? 
Not really. I think that's just kind of the placement and, and who you've got as a split end versus a flanker and everything else. Okay. So, no, but I do think the, the the big move there is you've got to you got to honor what Trey did. He went out there and competed his tail off. He fought. He scratched. He clawed. He won that job, mm-hmm. and he's going to at least get it day number one. All right. Question number two. Well, we were having some of this conversation yesterday, Brock. And I thought you you summed it up very well. Trying to figure out whether Gino still has more upside left, right? Not whether he can be a little, you know, can he marginally improve? Is there more Is he upside? Alex Smith or is he more? Is there upside? And Mark mm-hmm. Sanchez was on, what, with Colin Cowherd talking about Gino. Uh, Seattle fans, listen up. I'd be fired up because the guy threw 11 interceptions. I think there were nine of those 11 on first and second down. I mean, that is like the easiest, most fixable thing for a quarterback like him. First and second down, we can fix half of those with just run the ball. And then half of those, he cleans up on his own. So anywhere from four to five of those, he's going to fix on his own. Make two better decisions, Gino. And it's a no-brainer that they can eclipse what they've done last year. And I feel like last year, they were ahead of where they were supposed to be. (laughs) I'm going to give you a name you won't really like. And, I, and I'm going to say it, and Seahawks fans won't like it. KJ won't like it. He may have a story or two about playing against this guy because he beat him every single time in prime time. Anytime the lights are bright, this guy unfortunately has a record that's been dim. But there's a lot to me in Kirk Cousins' game that matches Geno's game. Toughness. He just gets off the mat and continues to come at you and come at you and come at you. Accuracy. Kirk Cousins is a 67% passer. And if you look at Kirk Cousins' career, it is peaks and valleys. It's ups and downs. To Mark Sanchez's point, if he cuts him in half, Gino, you get to five and a half, six. Kirk Cousins had years, 33 touchdowns, seven picks, 26 touchdowns, six interceptions. If you can bring some of that just Kirk Cousins' competitiveness and accuracy, but then be big moment, like when the lights go on, be big moment, and he's got to do that, right? He fumbled in the playoff game in a big moment. He had had some end-of-game drives. Right, he had one game-winning drive, but there were a couple that didn't go that way. Like that's the next step, because I think that there is a lot more comp to Kirk Cousins than we want to believe. Kirk Cousins has got years and years and years and years of not performing in prime time. Geno does not, so that would be the other area. If you're going to climb the upside mountain, cut down interceptions. And in big moments, man, be your very, very best. Well, we will uh, talk to Mark Sanchez, what, tomorrow at 730. Looking forward to that. Tomorrow? Tomorrow. Question number three. All right. We all know Bobby's a future Ring of Honor member. We all know he's in all likelihood an NFL Hall of Famer. What can he do this season, though, to really leave an indelible impression? Uh, this is a tip of the cap to our buddy over there at the Seattle Times, Bob Condota, who's going through a bunch of numbers yesterday, kind of previewing the season. He is already right now, and KJ's going to like this, he is already, i put my readers on so I can find it and read it to you, he's already right now, far and away, the number one tackler in the history of this franchise. He's put up some 1,300 tackles in his career. Buddy KJ's on that list. He's got 900 he plays a couple more years. He adds another 150, another 150. That record will never, ever, ever be touched in Seattle. In our lifetimes, there will never be another Seahawk in this league with the way this league is going and the speed and space and and being a three-down linebacker and being available and being as healthy as that dude has been an absolute rock for a decade. He puts another, as I said, a couple hundred tackles on that, on that ledger. Nobody. 
and I mean nobody's ever touching it. He'll be in the Ring of Honor, he'll be in the Hall of Fame, and that will be a number people will look at and go, how in the world did he possibly do that? Pretty impressive. That's today's Blue 88. also want to remind everyone that Hawks Live is back for another season. You can join Michael Bumpus starting tomorrow at 7 o'clock, Bellevue Square Center Court for a live broadcast and a preview of this week's game, plus a visit from a Seahawks player tomorrow, 7 o'clock, Bellevue Square Center Court. Learn more at seattlesports.com slash events. All right. Uh, I got a bunch of text messages. Somebody says, uh, Saul Cody Thompson is on the roster, not Cade Johnson, or so you say. Yeah, nobody really knows the difference. There's no way you can tell me that. Uh, let's see. Um, a lot of people with questions about the turkey vulture. Uh-huh. Um, bird clips, nevermore. Whatever that was, that sound should be illegal. <laughs> Please don't ever play that again. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, Why did I make that sound earlier? Yeah, what, what what led to that? You did sort of a caca sound. I did. The vultures were sw- swirling. Yeah. Is that what it was? It was about, oh, swarming. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and then, then I gave a crow circling. sound. You gave a caca. Right. And then, <laughs> you're right. Which is not what which I, is not which a, is pretty good. I mean, it's a pretty good bird sound. But it's definitely not a not a vulture. L- okay, let me try to let me try to impersonate the vulture. Give it to me one more time. It's so aggressive. Right, it also sort that. of sounds like a like an elephant. Yeah, I can't do that. It's got like an elephant mixed with a kazoo mixed with a goose. Yeah, yeah. If cannot. you gave an and elephant a pig, and a goose maybe? a kazoo like, and had them do a duet, I think okay, you'd get like a that. Squealing pig, kind of too. Yeah, That's there's a, some of that too. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Thing, that thing is nasty. Well, By the way, great, Bobby. What a great intro for KJ Wright. I'm sure in all yeah. of his years, running out in front of the 12s, KJ Wright. He'd always hoped that instead of having his name called out like that, there would be turkey vulture sounds preceding it. And that's kind of where we're at. I don't know. Maybe the guy from Mississippi knows something about it. We'll find out. KJ's in for the next hour. We got Seahawks tickets to give away. He's <laughs> and Salk on Seattle Sports. <laughs>